Wow, good morning, church. How are you? Good morning. I got to tell you, standing right here and looking out and seeing our church family together for one service, it is amazing. I love just kind of how this is, just to get everybody together. So if you haven't seen anybody, go say hi to them. They've probably been coming to the 9 o'clock service or the 1030. Uh, So just go say hi to somebody. Hey, my name is Tito. I'm the associate pastor here at our church. And I'm so, so really happy to be here right now. Let's keep praying for Pastor Jeremy. He's on a sabbatical. He's doing well. I was able to sneak in a good conversation with him. And my God, he is missing us tremendously. So he can't wait to get back. But he's on his sabbatical. He is working in his way with God to be able to take those steps to continue being able to do what he does and to get this restoration in the spirit so that we can, he can continue leading us in that as well. So a couple of things uh, before I get started. Uh, if you have your phones, go ahead and turn them on silent. Um, But pull up your apps because you'll be able to follow the notes um, uh, along with that so that you can kind of look at them down down the rest of the week to kind of see about how you can continue, um, let's say, learning about what we're going to discuss today as well, okay? Um, If you are wanting to get resource uh, information for our campus and different things, um, go ahead and use our texting resources. Uh, We have updates where you can text P-Update and you can get information as far as what's happening. Did any of you guys get a text about our service change coming? One, two, three, four people? That tells me all you guys got to go ahead and text 30500 and text P-Update so you can stay up to date with these things. If you want to join a team, you can text teams as well. And if you need prayers, we got you. We want to pray alongside of you as well. So use this texting resource to kind of stay in the loop with what's happening here at our church, okay? Uh, some good news, uh, we still have time for, to sign up for VBS. Has anybody signed up their kids for VBS here? That's what I'm talking. The last number I heard is we have, I think, 24 or 25 of our kids that are going to be going to our VBS so that we can have our Patterson folks along with our Turlock folks together. So thank you for signing up your kids. I'm looking forward to being there. Me and Jeremy are actually going to be team preaching the first night there, so it's going to be really, really cool. Um, as well. So, hey, if you came, well, actually, hey, do we have the video? I don't think so. So, sorry about that, guys. A little technical difficulties. We're going to show you a video leading up to this, but maybe we can show it later. But as of right now, we don't have it. If you came today prepared to give, I want to say thank you for your generosity. There's a few ways to go ahead and do it. You can drop it off at our offering box right there on your way out. You can get on the app. You can use the website, or you can also mail it in as well. But I just want to say thank you for your generosity and in believing in what God is doing here throughout the week and beyond, okay? Uh, Also, if you're a guest here, I would really love to have a conversation with you after church to kind of see how you're doing and get to know you. We have a starting point out there with we got somebody on staff. I think Miss Anna's going to be out there to where she has a gift for you as well. So stop by, get some information, ask some questions, and I would love, love, love to have a conversation with you as well, okay? Let's see. So, all right, we're going to get started. It's Father's Day today, right? Happy Father's Day to all. How many fathers were running to church this morning? Couldn't wait to be here, right? Good. You are the few and the proud because a lot of dads are like, no, I'm going to go watch a game or something. I'm joking. But I just want to say thank you for being here with your families. And so I just want to pray for our day-to-day and for the fathers that are here and not, but also for some of the families and some of the folks that are maybe kind of maybe missing their father right now, or maybe it was a different story for them with their father. But thank God we have the all, you know, the example that we have, our heavenly father above. But right now, I just want to take a few moments and just pray for our fathers. Lord, 
I thank you right now for this opportunity to just bring a focus and a highlight to our fathers right now, God. We, Lord, we know that you use us in a way to lead our homes, Lord. We know that you use us in a way to, to raise our families and our kids, God. But, Lord, we know that it's also hard. So I pray for the fathers that are here right now working through whatever they're working through. I pray that you equip them and continue preparing them, Lord, for what you've got for them in store. I pray for their families and their wives, Lord, and their kids. I pray that you be with them and continue bringing them closer together, Lord. Lord, I also pray for the families right now that may be missing their father today. They might not be celebrating in the way that most of us are because it's bringing back a memory or a hurt. So I pray that you comfort them in that time right now, Lord, and to be with them, Lord. But Lord, how comforting to know that we have this example of a true father that has unfailing love, that forgives us and shows us grace. And we thank you for that. So right now, Lord, I just pray a blessing in your name. Amen. Okay. So if you have God's word, go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of John. We're going to be looking at chapter 11, working through verses 1 through 44. We're going to be skipping around a little bit. See, this morning we're going to be continuing our series, Miracles, where we're going to be digging into miracles with the Bible. And we're not going to be looking at them so that we can kind of know what they are or kind of understand them better or just to kind of see what it is. But we really want to experience them to see how we can apply these miracles in our days today. So how can these miracles work for us now? See, all the miracles Jesus did were to glorify God. They were to help others, and they were to prove that he was indeed who he said he was, which is the Son of God. See, and this morning we're going to be looking at a really cool miracle in which Jesus actually raised somebody from the dead. We're going to be looking at the raising of Lazarus. And this miracle was out of sight. I mean, he literally raised somebody from the dead after four days of being dead. I mean, rolled the stone back. You would imagine four days of decomposing. Everything was there and present. But yet in front of everybody, his friend walked out of the tomb. And this miracle just changed everybody's perspective on who Jesus was. They knew that he was and is the Son of God. And it helped them to strengthen them and to build and grow their faith, this miracle. Christian comedian John Chris, I don't know if anybody of you heard of him, he's actually got a very, very cool kind of like perspective on this story. I just want you to check it out really quick. <laughs> I had to show that. It's just a funny perspective. I never really thought about that. See, this actually really was an amazing, amazing miracle that really solidified the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. It solidified it. But I need to tell you this morning, there is so much more to this story than just a man being raised from the dead. There's so much more. And that is what I want to spend some time with you, unpacking this, so that we can do this together this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together. Lord, I invite your Holy Spirit right here, right now, God, to be with us and to live in this, God, to work in us. Lord, I pray that as I speak your words, Lord, your truth, God, that you move in and through me, Lord, to speak encouragement and hope, Lord, to someone that needs to hear your voice this morning, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You see, see, we believe that God not only did miracles in the past, but that he's actually still doing them right now. We believe in the God of the Bible who is freeing people and saving people, and he's healing people. And he's still doing it today. 
And I see it here in our church. God is on the move. If you don't know it, he's on the move. God is on the move. I see it in our, our Sunday worship experience. I see it in our youth ministry. I see it in our men and women's groups. If you haven't been to the food pantry, the Church Without Food Pantry, Church Without Walls, you got to go because I see it there. It's kingdom business that's happening. See, he is on the move saving lives, freeing people, and he's healing them. And many of us are experiencing miracles. Things are happening. Life is taking steps forward. We're growing. But see, many of us, we're still waiting. And it's tough. And things aren't so easy. See, maybe you're having challenges in your marriage. Or you're, you're worried about your kids or, or drowning financially. Maybe you're gripped with depression or anxiety or hurt with physical pain. Or maybe you're overwhelmed with grief and really missing a loved one. And you're desperate for a miracle right now. Maybe you've been praying and fasting and coming to church every week, but all you're hearing is silence and there's no miracles in sight. Let me ask, does anybody know what I'm talking? Does anybody feel me right now? It's tough. See, one of the most difficult things for us to maintain while experiencing challenges in life is our faith. So the question is this, how do we respond to God when we're asking but not receiving the miracles that we want? See, many times we pray, asking God to provide or to come through for us in our time of need. But instead, we hear silence. There's nothing. And we're not alone. King David, the second king of Israel, actually wrote about this feeling in Psalms 22, verses 1 and 2. Listen to this. He says this. These are his words. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, but my God, you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And this is a story for all of us. See, back in 2013 and 2015, within a year and maybe a couple of months, my family and I really went through a kind of a dark season. We were basically struck with grief. Uh, within a year and two months, we lost our child who was stillborn, which is a challenge. And then my brother tragically passed away. by He took his life. And it kind of spiraled us down this I don't know what to call it, but this rabbit hole of, of deep, deep grief. And I recall times trying to help my kids out because they'd be in a room and they'd be crying, and it was just hard. And one particular night, I remember going in there, and they were both crying. They were young, really young, and nothing I could say or do could fix it. Nothing. And I was overwhelmed, too, because I was walking through my own hurt, I had a bad day that day as well. And all I remember is not knowing what to do myself. And I walked out of the room with them still crying. And I went to my room and did only what I could do. And I fell and I started sobbing. You know that, that deep, deep sobbing that's inside? And in that cry, I was like, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Nothing I'm saying is working. You need to get in there and do something. I mean, you're God. You can go in there and you can take away all their pain. Where are you? 
Yeah, I was looking for a miracle. But at that time, I didn't receive it. I was receiving a wrecking at that time. And I'm here to tell you, if you're there today, and that's you, you're not alone. You are not alone. This here is a safe place where we're at. This is a safe place. And you're not here by accident. God has you here for a reason because he has something he wants to tell you, and that's to hold on. To hold on. See, some of us are barely hanging on, but Jesus is saying, don't let go. Hold on. My hope is that we leave here this morning, family, knowing that even in the silence, God can make miracles out of the chaos in our lives. You hear that? That in his silence, God can make miracles in the chaos in our lives. And I believe he can make miracles out of our messes. And that's what I want you to know when you leave here today. So go ahead, if you would, please open up God's word to John chapter 11, verses 1. And I need you to know that this passage, it doesn't resolve all of our questions. But what it will do is give us hope to make our way through the tough times. And right now we could all use some hope. Okay? So let's read. Read. Verse 1 says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, disciples, let's go back to Judea. I know it's a little confusing, but let's keep reading on. Jump to verse 11. It says, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, then he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. There's a lot going on here. So I want to unpack this a little for us as we go on. First of all, you need to know this, is that Jesus loved these people. He loved them, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. See, they were like family to him. He loved them. And it said that Jesus would actually use their home as a retreat from the pressures to get away from the pressures of his ministry as he was on earth. Imagine that, Jesus coming to your home to just rest. That's how close he was to them. He loved their friendship and he loved their hospitality. That's who they were to him. They were close to him, family. Second thing is this, Jesus had full knowledge, 
full knowledge of what was going on and what was going to happen. Nothing caught him by surprise, and nothing is going to catch him off guard. He had full knowledge of the whole thing. Okay? We have to know that. He had full knowledge. And we know this. Okay? See, Jesus knew their pain. He knew their pain, but he didn't respond immediately because his delay had a specific purpose. And we know this because he has a plan. Put this down for point one. Jesus is working out his plan and purpose despite my circumstances. He is working out his plan and purpose despite my circumstances. And how do we know? Let's look at verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. That's the plan. See, Jesus waits to see his friends because he has a plan that's set in motion. He wasn't just standing by and doing nothing. See, during those two days of waiting, Jesus' perfect plan was active and moving. And when achieved, it will encourage everyone around him and to help grow their faith. That is the plan. See, God is never up to nothing. You've got to understand that. He is never up to nothing. He is always, always, always up to something. He's never idle. He is always on the move. We have to know that and trust that. But see, here's the thing. See, his plan wasn't what Mary and Martha wanted, right? What did they want? They wanted their brother to be healed. They didn't want him to die from terminal illness. And rightfully so. I mean, they knew Jesus could heal their brother. They knew who he was. They had witnessed and they heard of the miracles that he was doing. They knew who he was and they knew that he could do it. But Jesus can only do what the Father tells him, right? Even if it means not leaving immediately to save his best friend's life. And that's because of the plan. The plan was so that God, the Son of God, could receive all glory and so everyone around would believe. See, the plan wasn't what they wanted. At that time, it was what they needed. See, as parents, we want to give our children what they want, right? But when it comes down to what they want or what they need, we're always going to give them what? What they need. I'm old school from the 80s. Maybe some of you are more old school than me. But back in the day, we used to get whoopings. I don't know if you guys do it now. I know it's not, it doesn't happen at my house too much. But my mom, boy. And it was always like this, mijo. I don't want to do this, but I have to do it because it's what you need. I really don't want to do this. I don't know. Has anybody else had that experience? Okay. I really don't want to do this, but I have to. See, during the challenges of life, God will not always give us what we want, but he will certainly give us what we need. Certainly give us what we need. See, God's timing, especially in his delays, at times make us feel that God isn't listening or that he's distant and he's, or he's not answering the way that we want. See, but he will meet all of our needs according to his perfect plan. 
Philippians 4.19, Paul writes this. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. See, they wanted a healing, but Jesus knew that they needed believing. If you don't believe, then you don't have faith. And they needed faith because everything hinges on it. Everything hinges on faith. Ephesians 2.8 says we're saved by grace by faith. Hebrews 11.6 says it's impossible to please God without faith. See, in the midst of our setbacks, God's not always going to give us what we want, but he'll always give us what we need. Now, I know that some of us are hearing this, and it may not be settling well. Because maybe you're in the midst of your struggle right now. And maybe you're listening and you're saying to yourself, are you trying to tell me that I need my problems? That I need my struggling marriage? That I need my cancer? That I need my, you go ahead and connect the dots. Are you trying to tell me that I need that? No, I'm not saying that. And that's not what the scripture says right here. But what I do want to tell you is that until Jesus comes back for his people, we will be living in a broken, sinful world where setbacks and challenges are inescapable. They're going to happen. No matter who you are or how you believe, they will happen. And what we read in this passage is that in the midst of those setbacks, that God has a plan and purpose for the pain that we are experiencing. He is making the good out of the bad so that his glory can shine through our darkest moments and so that people will see that he is good. In the midst of the storms we experience in life, God has a plan. See, he isn't going to always give us what we want, but sometimes what we need is bigger than our circumstances. And that means that there is purpose in the pain. Hear that again. There is purpose in your pain. There is purpose in my pain. It's not for nothing. God will use it. See, God's economy doesn't run out. He uses everything. And when life gets hard and we begin to feel bombarded, you see, we have to make a choice about how we're going to respond. We have to make a choice. See, we could either be mad and shake our fist in spite of God, or we can run to him to trust and believe him and to allow him to do in us what only he can do in us despite our circumstances. That's the other option. But when we choose to run to Jesus and we believe and have faith in him, especially when we're in the midst of our setbacks, I'll tell you, that's when things begin to shift. They start changing. Put this down for point two. My setbacks shift in Jesus' presence. That's when we see the fullness of his glory, despite our circumstances. See, we can begin to see the bigger picture. But we must first run towards him if we're going to experience the miracle. See, in this passage we read, Jesus waits two days before he finally leaves to Bethany to visit with his friends. Two days. 
It kind of makes you think if he was his best friend that he would have been Johnny on the spot going. But he waited two days. And I would imagine that Mary and Martha, when they saw him, I would imagine that they might have been a little bit upset, wouldn't you think? They're probably frustrated or hurt. Let's read verse 21. Because Martha, she kind of goes in a little bit. It says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Martha knew who he was. But see, Martha is raw with Jesus. Where have you been? What are you doing? Where are you at? She is raw with Jesus. But see, in this interaction, Jesus doesn't snap back at her. He doesn't get upset at her. He says, I get it, and I have a plan. If you just trust and believe, you are going to experience a miracle. Now let's read Mary's response to Jesus, the other sister, in verse 22. It says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, Mary, on the other hand, she's crushed. She's hurting. She's like, I thought you loved me, Jesus. I thought you loved my family. Why have you abandoned us? See, Martha is frustrated, and she's wondering why Jesus didn't come when she asked him to. But Mary, she's devastated, which is a natural emotion for us. See, like when God isn't doing what we think he should be doing, it's very easy to go down the path where we're either hurt or we're angry. I remember walking through my hurt that there was times when I was, I was angry at God. I kind of was even keeping score. I'm like, I do this and I do that and I do this and this is what I get in return. I'm just being honest with you. And there's other times where I was just crushed. I was broken. I didn't want to do anything. I kind of wanted to give up at times. See, those type of feelings are natural. And I need to tell you that if you don't know this right now, you need to know that it's okay to get the hurt out of you. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to, to bring it out because there's healing in that. See, it's good for your soul to get them out. Because you can't get right with God until you get real with him. You can't. You can't continue walking through life like nothing's wrong because it's not helping you. You have to get real with God. So write this down for point three. Jesus invites me to bring it all to him. Jesus invites me to bring it all. See, we have to give it all to him. 
Because when you give it all to God, you get it out of you and you give it to him. It's almost like you're going to lay it down at the cross right there. This is his to hold for you. It's his burden. And when we do that, that's when we can begin making something good. God can begin making something good out of the bad. Church, hurt or angry seasons will happen. They're going to happen. But if we choose, they will not be a waste if we turn to him and give it all to him. It won't be a waste. Our hurt will not be for nothing. Are you guys hearing that? It's not a waste. It's valuable. It can do something. God can do something big with your hurt. It's a value to God. There's a purpose in the pain. Listen to Jesus' response to Mary in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? Jesus wept. He cried with them and was hurting alongside of them because he loved them deeply. He cried with them. Think about that for a second. He knows everything that's happened. He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows that the story isn't going to end like this. Remember, nothing's caught him by surprise. But yet in this moment, he wept and hurt alongside of them. He cried because they were crying. He hurt because they were hurting. Why? Because he loved them. I mean, love them, that deep love that will not leave you, that isn't just a word, that is something that is going to stick, that's something that you can count on. That kind of love. That kind of love. See, when I'm walking through my grief or whatever hurt I am experiencing, how refreshing to know and how encouraging to know that he is there with me right in the middle of it, even weeping and hurting alongside of me because of his love for me, because of his love for you. You can count on that. He will be there for you. Amazing. But in order for us to experience the fullness of God's love, we have to give it all to him. We have to. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. And I don't know why God doesn't respond the way that you want him to. Or why God seems distant or silent. But what I do know is it's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because of that. See, he loves you more than you can imagine. He hurts when you hurt and he weeps when you weep. And I know that doesn't take away the pain or the hurt you're, you're experiencing or the, or the messed up circumstance that you're in. But what it does do is give you enough hope for the day to hang on. Gives you that hope for the day to hang on. To have joy while the storm is raging. Imagine that kind of peace. To have joy despite the circumstances. I don't mean happy. I mean joy that's lasting, that sticks with you. Happiness is temporary. We want that joy. Let's keep it moving. Verse 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. 
Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. That's the plan, so that they believe. See, when all hope is lost, Jesus turns to the Father and prays. You get that? When all hope is lost, Jesus turns to the Father and prays, and he says, I know that you always hear me, but I needed to say this so that everyone who heard this knew that you sent me so that they believe. Then he turns to the tomb and speaks three words. He says, Lazarus, come out. And then Lazarus walks out. Church, when Jesus is involved, setbacks are the backdrop for God to do his best work in us. And that's not true just for Lazarus then, but it's true for anyone today who has the faith and believes in Jesus Christ. That power is living in and through us if we choose to have that faith. After that night in my room, when I was crying out to God, you know, I really thought I was going to lose it. In fact, I had gone like two years trying to be the pillar of my home. And I came to this point of I was just, I was at wit's end. And it didn't take until I went to go talk to a good friend of mine, Marilyn, who's a Christian counselor. And she's actually on staff at our church. And I found myself sitting down in her office. And she's like, what's going on with you? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm losing it. I can't even sit at a restaurant without crying. And she says, you haven't given yourself permission to grieve. And I said, what does that look like? She says, you need to take a week off of work, and you need to just get real with God. It's not going to look nice, and it's going to be sloppy and messy with all the crying, and it's going to be hard when you look at your hurt face to face. But I'm telling you, when you give it all to God, you're going to find this freedom that's not weighing you down, and you're going to be able to use what God, what God wants to use out of that hurt to make it good. And so things started changing, and I started coming to this place where I started accepting God's will for me, even though I did not like it or agree with it. We're human. But I accepted his will and began taking those steps towards the healing. And I truly believe that it's nothing that I did, but it's the idea of me allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through me without that hurt soul in my face that God was able to use that in a way that he can use me to be able to start speaking truth and hope into people's lives. And it's been some time. My family's come to this place of peace, but we have chosen not to let this hurt be for nothing. There's pain, I and mean, there's purpose in your pain, and there's a reason behind it. See, church, the good news is this, that Jesus comes to us in the middle of the storms, to ride it out with us. And even though we don't see it or feel it, I'm telling you, he is there with us every step of the way. Every step of the way. See, we can learn to trust him in a way that gives us the freedom to praise him in the storms. We can learn that. So here's the question. 
Do you believe? Yes, amen. Do you believe that even in silence, Jesus can make miracles out of the chaos in your life? If you don't believe, you don't have faith, right? Because faith is the key to it all. Faith connects us to this power that raised Lazarus from the grave. And believe it or not, it is available to us today, right now. So do you believe? And if you believe, then respond to him in a way that declares the victory that we have in Jesus. Now we can begin to respond to him in praise in the middle of the storms that we face. We can praise him. And when we do this, everyone around us will see that God is not only good in the good, but that God is good in the bad. And that's our hope to keep us continuing to hold on. You pray with me. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for your word, God. Thank you for knowing that, letting us know that you have a plan, that you have a specific purpose, Lord. So right now, I pray for anybody right now that's walking through some hurt, struggles, anything right now that is a distraction from following after you, God. I come against that, Lord, right now in your name, Jesus. I pray for peace of, in their mind, God, physically, God. I pray that you just bless them. Lord, remind them that you're not going to, this isn't for nothing, that there is a purpose in the pain, God, and that you're going to do something good out of the bad. I pray for everyone right now, Lord, that is walking through tough times. Encourage them and bless them, Lord. And Lord, for those of us that are, are doing well, God, and that, that seem to be doing okay, God, I pray that you can use us in a way to help somebody, Lord, that may be needing some help or encouragement, God. So Lord, be with us, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story with you all. Um, God's really doing something special here at our church. Okay? I'll see you guys next week. Have a good day.